Good morning, good morning. We've got uh, the book of Philemon. This is week two, and we'll do a little bit of review, a picture of the Bible. Uh, we've got the Old Testament on the left, the New Testament on the right. Uh, last week I talked about a little bit about the structure. Uh, the Pauline epistles, um, how many of you know what an epistle is? Yes. Uh, Brent Bass asked uh, our pastor, Gary Jared, what an epistle was one time, and Gary said, what do you think an epistle is? And Brent Bass said, well, like the wife of an apostle, maybe? <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. It was the best answer ever. And, uh, and it, helps, it helps level set for those of us that have been in church a very long time when we talk about things and we just assume everybody knows what this is. An epistle is a letter uh, written by someone that's part of the canon of Scripture. So you've got the Pauline epistles. Those are the epistles written by Paul. And they're written in length. Uh, and they're in order of descending length, starting with Romans, ending with Philemon. So Philemon is the shortest of the group. Um, he wrote Philemon while he was in prison, and that's important to remember in this story. Uh, next, a little background on the book of Philemon itself. Uh, Philemon, it's a bit hard to understand sometimes because Philemon is both the main character of the book and the name of the book. So Philemon, the man, owned a slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus, we're not sure what he did. We have no idea what the problem was, but he ran away at some point. Uh, and he ran away to a very specific city. And I talked about that last week. Does anybody remember the city that he ran away to? Rome, yes, he ran away to Rome. Now, there's a reason he ran away to Rome, because he could lose his identity in Rome. In Rome at this time, there were about 800,000 people, which was just an extraordinarily large city for this time. Uh, so 800,000 people, if you're a slave, you could easily go off the grid, so to speak. Probably wasn't much of a grid at that point, but you could certainly go under the grid, probably. Um, but he ran away. He finds the Apostle Paul at some point and becomes converted to Christianity. Uh, Paul leads Onesimus to Christ, as we find out later on in the letter. And a couple of interesting things theologically that we'll get to in the next few weeks, but we find out that what happened before you met Christ still has to be dealt with after you met Christ. Um, and it's, it's a hard lesson to learn at times, but the point is still there. So Paul, understanding the value of relationships and reconciliation, sends Onesimus back to his owner, Philemon, with a letter. And the letter that's in Onesimus' hands is the book of Philemon. Uh, and the goal there is to be reconciled because relationships are that important. So... This was a, uh, a real problem for Philemon. He could have faced several different punishments. He could have had every, anything from uh, an F branded into the back of his head for fugitive to he could have been beaten within an inch of his life to if Philemon was mad enough, he could have had him crucified. All would have been totally legal. So this is what he was facing when he made the decision to listen to Paul and to go back uh, to the city of Colossae where Philemon was. So last week we set the stage, gave an overview of everything. Today, we're framing the favor. Paul's going to ask Philemon to do something, and today we're looking at the way he approaches that. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned here from um, if you want to get somebody to do something, there's a great example in the book of Philemon. So next week, we'll look for uh, actually what Paul asks Philemon to do. Uh, then we talk about how optimistic Paul is about Philemon's obedience, and then we'll move into finishing up the letter and kind of some moral overviews of the whole story. So, a couple names to know as we go through. Paul is the author of this letter, and he's currently in prison in Rome, uh, in house arrest, and Philemon is the main recipient of this letter. 
the guy that's receiving the letter on behalf of Onesimus. He's the owner. Uh, Jesus Christ shows up. Again, I said it last week, if you leave Jesus out of a Sunday school lesson, we've wasted our time. So got to talk about Jesus. And then Onesimus, he's the slave that ran away from Philemon uh, that has returned. So a lot of different dynamics going on. Uh, this is significantly different than a culture that we are used to. So this is one of the reasons that we'll be doing this type of review each week, just to kind of get us back in that mindset, because none of us own slaves. None of us understands that culture. So need a little bit of review. So uh, I want to read the entire epistle of Philemon, and uh, need somebody to do that. So what I want you to do is, if you want to read the Philemon for us this morning, stand up, say your name. Say the version that you're reading from, and then let her rip. Who wants to do it? Amen. Amen. Way to go. Give him a hand there. <laughs> oh, come on now. Let's not get crazy. So as, as, you heard Stuart, as you heard Stuart read through this letter, do you get the feeling that Paul was throwing his weight around? He was bossing Philemon around, and he was telling him exactly what he had to do, and you're going to do it, or I'm going to come and smack you around, and is that, is that not, the, not what he was doing? No, not at all. He, he's asking for a favor here. He's asking Philemon to do what Jesus Christ taught all through his ministry, this idea of reconciliation. So, um, and one of the reasons that Paul is doing this is that he's actually friends with both sides. He's friends with Philemon, and he's friends with Onesimus. And all of us have been in the position at some point where you got two friends, and they are really ticked off at each other. And you're still in communication with both of them, right? And you've got you've to walk this line in between, and you go, well, I can't really show favoritism here or favoritism. And it doesn't even matter who's right, because who's right's not the issue. Reconciliation is the issue. So this is this line that Paul is walking when he goes through. So uh, today we're looking at verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. And so let's look at verse 4. Now, I want you to open your Bibles. If you've got your Bibles, open your Bibles up to the little letter of Philemon because there's a couple things that we're going to be doing here today. So, verse 4, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Now, if, if you read through, if you listened through to uh, the reading of this letter, what's your opinion of Philemon? What's your opinion of Philemon? Is Philemon, would, would Philemon's life be characterized by a life of obedience or disobedience, showing hospitality or not showing hospitality? Which one do you think? Obedience and showing hospitality, right? Because Paul keeps saying over and over and over, I remember you did this even for me. It's known, we hear about it, even here in prison, all what you're doing in your house church, which that's kind of impressive, right? So my question then is if this is a, a quote-unquote good guy, he's doing the right things, why is Paul praying for somebody like Philemon. I mean, shouldn't we use our prayers on somebody that's, that needs it more? You're shaking your head vigorously over there, Vicki. Tell me why. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you are an example that Jesus Christ is proud of, and you're a target. That's what's going on. And another point here, none of us can do, this is a blank in your notes, None of us can do anything good on our own, right? Even if we have a history of demonstrated obedience to Christ, that does not guarantee that we're going to continue that tomorrow. We still need help. I need help. I've been a Christian since 1984, 
I need help today to not make Jesus look bad today. Probably I need help before 10 o'clock to not make Jesus look bad. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. I appreciate that. <laughs> Always a blessing, brother. Always a blessing. So, um, next question up there. Paul thanks God for Philemon. Um, got a question. Why is it important that we become people of gratitude? People thankful for what God has done. Why is gratitude important? It's, it's in the Bible, okay. That's a good answer. Yeah, it's a really good answer. Yeah, give me a fist bump there. there you go. Right. It keeps us what? Yeah, I, I am not the source of my own strength. And on the days when I am, I run out of speed about 7.15 a.m., <laughs> right? It just doesn't work. It's not, not where that comes from. When I, when I am grateful... Um, it opens up a road that is completely different than a life of ingratitude because we all know people that are ungrateful, right? Um, my favorite line from The Matrix, <clears throat> yes, because you can pull theological truth from just it. Some of you actually turned around right there. That was awesome. So Trinity, you know, the character Trinity is talking to Neo, and Neo is looking down a road. You remember the line? You remember the scene? And she says, because you've been down there, Neo, you know that road, you know exactly where it ends, and I know that it's not where you want to be. And when we, when we look down that road of ingratitude, that is not where we want to be, right? Because the end of that road is bitter old people. And we all know bitter old people, right? Do you like to be around bitter old people? No. Yeah. And that's the result of a life of bitterness and a life of ingratitude. That's the end result of it. So it's incredibly important, and I think it's pretty cool, that the Apostle Paul was praying for somebody. You think that'd be an encouragement? Absolutely. How many of you have ever gotten a letter from someone in spiritual authority in your life? Ever gotten a letter? Did it say something positive about you in the letter? What was your letter about, Vicky? encouraging letters. How'd that make you feel when you got a letter from somebody that, was, that you looked up to in the faith? Yeah, it, it's overwhelming a little bit. I mean, I, I recently went on an Emmaus walk and received dozens of letters. I'm not going to make it through this, by the way. My favorite was from my pastor. He told me something. He's never told me before about how I have been able to help him. Seriously? I mean, I'm, I, I more closely associate myself to that verse in the, in the New Testament that talks about we are the off-scouring, right? The scum under the bucket is what we are. And to hear my pastor say, you have helped me in this ministry. Um, Julie and I were talking about it this past week. We've been at Stuart Heights 10 years, Gary's been here for 20. He's been here for half of his ministry. It's pretty cool. When we first started at Stewart Heights, there were about 400 people in attendance on a Sunday morning. 400. We have two services with more than that now. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. 
when Gary first started at Stewart Heights, this would have been, oh my goodness, this is the greatest attendance Sunday ever, right? I think he had 34 his first week, 34. We had 68 in this room last week. And to hear him say that I've helped him, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely, it's a great encouragement. So Philemon is getting what? He's getting built up at this point, right? He's getting built up. So verse 5, what's Paul say next? It says, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Now, <clears throat> something that I have skipped a little bit so far is the meaning behind some of the names, right? I hadn't really got into that. So Philemon, now you, you really don't have to be a, a Greek scholar here to figure this one out, but... If you look at the first five letters of his name, what does it kind of look like? Phileo, Philadelphia, right? We we understand this word. There's several different Greek words uh, for love. There's storge, which is familial love. This is my love for my parents and my love for my children. There is uh, agape which is God-like love. It's love regardless of what you do. I'm going to love you. The Old Testament concept of this is uh, chesed, which is God's grace and goodness. It just chases you down, and it's going to get you. It's this gorgeous picture of the pursuit of God. And in the New Testament, there's this other concept called phileo, which is just brotherly, friendly love. Right? And in the South, we have a culture of politeness. Right? Or you smile. How are you doing today? I'm fine. No, you're not. You're lying. Right? But we say that because we're polite. And some people in the South confuse politeness with phileo. They're not the same thing. Phileo is I actually care how you're doing. And if you're having a problem, I'm going to show brotherly love and be there for you. Phileo is bringing meals to each other. Phileo is praying for each other. Phileo is doing life together. Philemon's name means... Beloved, it means friend, it means loved one. It's the noun form of the verb of this Greek word. So, knowing Paul and his penchant for wordplay, what do you think the Greek word for love is in this verse? I've got two options for you on the page. I've got phileo and agape, right? How many of you think it's phileo? Really? I didn't do a good job selling that. How many of you think it's agape? (laughs) How many of you have no idea? It's actually agape. It's agape. Because this is the type of guy Philemon was. Philemon was an agape lover. Philemon cared more about the other person's needs than his own. This was his track record. This was his history. Um, And it's interesting to note that this is the word that Paul would use about him. Now, um, a lot of times in my own life, if somebody's trying to get me to do something for them, you need a favor. There's a cup, and I'm going to show my cards here today, okay? And I recognize that I'm opening myself up to all kinds of favors because I'm telling you how to get me to do a favor for you, all right? <laughs> Julie's taking notes now. <laughs> I value several principles very highly in my life. Consistency is one of those. I want to be very consistent in the way that I approach things, and in the way that I react to things throughout the course of my life. I don't want five years ago to be significantly different than five years from now. 
I'm going to be consistent in my behavior. So if you come to me and say, Jim, I know that in the past you have done this for so-and-so. Would you do this for me? And you just hold me up into consistency right there. You backed me into the corner and you went, checkmate. Dang it, why would you have to do that? And what Paul's doing here is he's reminding Philemon of the consistency that he's had in the past. Right? Because sometimes when we're reminded of how we've behaved in the past, it helps us behave that same way in the future. We do this with our kids all the time. Why can't you behave like you did 10 minutes ago? Anybody ever said that? Or five minutes ago, I don't know. Because <laughs> it changes just like that. So all kinds of things here. Now, if any of you have read any commentaries on this uh, book, one of the things that gets a lot of publicity, a lot of ink time on the page, is the order of the words love and faith. So in Baptist theology, we believe in the verbal inspiration of the scriptures. And there's several implications from that, the verbal inspiration. So God breathed out the scriptures. We here at Stewart Heights also believe in the plenary inspiration of Scripture, that God breathed out the specific words that he wanted in the Scripture. It wasn't just love one another and then John wrote the book of John. No, no, it was in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was with God. Plenary. Exact, specific words. So, if you believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, you have to believe in the order that the way things show up. Now, theologically, love and faith. So, let's talk about this. It's a pretty deep concept, and I don't generally go into this kind of theological philosophy in Sunday school, but we'll go there today. So, hearing of your love and faith. So, chicken and the egg question. Which comes first, love or faith? Which do you have for Jesus Christ first? Love or faith? Love. Barry says love. Anybody want to argue with Barry? Faith? Love, love because he first loved us? Okay. Takes faith to initiate the relationship. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> That's the substance of your argument. Okay. All right. All right. Hang on just a sec. This is Jim. Well, Boker Tove. Boker Tove. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm sorry I didn't call earlier. Well, that's okay. We know you're a slacker. I got you live in front of Sunday school here. So we got a theological question I need you to weigh in on, okay? Jesus. <laughs> that was his answer, Jesus. That's great. All right, we're studying the book of Philemon. This is my phone a friend, okay? Awesome timing. Awesome timing. Um, we're not on the clock either. You have more than 30 seconds. So Philemon 1.5, Paul's talking to Philemon here. He's trying to puff him up a little bit and encourage him and edify him and build him up. And he says, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And the question is, theologically, which one comes first, love or faith? In our relationship with Jesus Christ, which one of these two do we experience first? Do we experience love or do we experience faith? Go. Wow. <laughs> he didn't know this was coming, by the way. We were going to do something totally different. So what do you think? Um, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Ooh. Okay. 
The answer is yes. Why do you say yes? Because you're just non-committal? Uh, no, and well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when I think it through, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time wasting the time here in the class. But you're good. When I, when Discussion is never wasted time, Terry. Especially when you can do it across like 6,000 miles or something, whatever it is. Do what? That's okay. We love you. We're snickering in the background, but it's okay. So you don't, you're not okay. sure? You're not sure which one? No, not really. Okay. Well, that's fine. So my phone to friend just lost me a million dollars is the answer there. <laughs> Barry Cole said love. Well, then I go with faith. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, man. Hey, we're going to have a prayer time for you here in a couple of minutes, okay? Thank you very much. Hey, we're going to give you 30 seconds. Tell us what to pray for. Um, pray especially. I, I got some serious meetings this week uh, with some organization, and there's uh, um, the, tr the people that I told you to pray about I will be meeting individually with this week. Um, so I'm looking for a good opportunity to witness to him. Awesome. This has been cool, man. We love you and we miss you, okay? Yeah, I miss everybody there, too. Be safe, Thank brother. We love you, man. Everything. All right, see you, see you soon, bud. Bye. All right, bye. That was cool, wasn't it? Terry's in Israel, by the way, if you're not sure where he's at. So, so we got the definitive word from Israel of yes. So <laughs> I'm going to default to the Holy Land. Uh, I personally think the definitive answer, the right answer is faith, uh, that Jesus Christ gives us faith to believe, and then we start a relationship that develops into love, um, much like a marriage relationship. We think we love our spouse when we say, I do. Yeah, you, you grow into a much more deeper understanding and relationship there. Uh, I don't want to digress on that, but there are pages and pages and pages of commentary on which one comes first. Most of the commentary that say that faith should come first actually use this verse as proof that the Bible has errors. Yeah. I'm reading through my commentaries going, what? What? I'm throwing this thing away. Are you kidding me? The Bible didn't have errors, and if it did, this certainly wouldn't be a proof of that. I mean, just blows my mind what folks will try to stretch and twist to contort to the fact to try to get to you know, the scripture has problems. It just, it doesn't. If we settle that, then a lot of other things get easier. So, running out of time here, we'll speed up just a little bit. Question number two, do you have a hard time loving all the saints? And everybody said, yes. yes. Why do we have a hard time loving all the saints? <laughs> Say that again, Justin. That was great. Because they're not me, right? I love me more than anything else. That's just the way this works. Right? Yeah, we have problems with this. Um, Apparently, Philemon had a pretty good grip on this. You know, he, he had heard, Paul had heard in prison of the love that Philemon had toward all the saints, which, granted, it was a smaller population then. I get that, right? But still, it's pretty cool. So, verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may, be become, may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So, quick question. If you're looking at your copy of the Scripture... Verse 6, does your copy of the scripture have a different word than sharing in verse 6? What's it have? Uh, that's later in the verse, but fellowship is one. Generosity is one. Anybody else? 
Does anybody have cooperation or communion or communication or participation or share? I mean, it's all different. There's all comes back to one word. The word is koinonia, and it's the Greek word that describes what we do when we get together. So think about describing in English what we do when we as the body of Christ get together in one English word. Does that cover everything? <laughs> when we as the body, it, there's not just one word, right? It, it, it's too much that's going on. It can be worship. It can be fellowship. It can be engaging in life together. It can be sharing needs. It can be generosity. I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. Um, the next word in there may become effective. Uh, the Greek word is energos. Um, it, it's where we get our English word uh, energy. Uh, the, a better translation is probably may become energetic. So my question is, how energetic is your koinonia? That's a cool question, huh? How energetic is your koinonia? Not, is it present? Because you're here, so you have some level of koinonia. You have some level of doing life together as the body of Christ. But how energetic is it? Right? I'm running the PowerPoint this morning off of a laptop. And the laptop is plugged into an outlet. And I can unplug the outlet, and the laptop will continue to run for a while. And at some point, the laptop will shut down because it has been disconnected from the source. Right? You've all heard this example before? Yes, of course, because I tell it about once a month. Yeah, that's why. Um, so how energetic? The laptop cannot do certain things unplugged from the wall because it requires too much power to do those things. Same thing with our life. When we become disconnected from the relationship with the Father, we cannot do certain things. Just the way God made us. He made us dependent upon him, which is a good process to set up. So, think about this week how energetic your koinonia is. Now, verse 7. This is my favorite verse. And we're almost done. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Anybody got a King James? Go, Justin. We have great joy and there it is. The what of the saints? The bowels of the saints. So I'm going to teach you a little Greek real quick. The joy and consolation. Consolation is kind of a, we think of consolation as, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Not really what this word is talking about. This word is calm. This word is peace. This word is at rest. This word is everything is okay now. Because of the what? The bowels have been refreshed. Now, we have all, I'm not going to get vulgar here, we have all had times in our lives where the bowels were not at rest. Right? Yes, we're going there today in Sunday school. And we have all had times, hopefully, we've gotten there at least today, that we've gotten past that. And there is a moment, there is a moment where you cross over from not at rest to at rest of great joy. Right? Would you not agree? You're like, oh, praise God, it stopped. <laughs> this is the literal interpretation of this verse. Paul's a really practical guy. You know, he, he's not, I mean, he gets, he gets esoteric and philosophical at times, but this is about as concrete as it gets, <laughs> okay? It's what it says. I, you know, I'm making it up, you know? So my question 
You have great joy and consolation. Where is Paul when he writes this? He's in prison. He has joy and peace and is at rest in prison. Okay, lesson learned, right? <laughs> Check the box, move to the next point. So the next question is, have you ever been cold and hungry and then had someone suddenly refresh you? And my answer is yes. January 29th of this year. Anybody remember what happened on January 29th of this year? Anybody remember? The snowstorm. Yes. I don't have time to tell the whole story, but I'll do an abbreviated version. I'm on Hickson Pike. I'm in my 1977 black F-100, right? It's good stuff. Except there's nothing in the bed of the truck, right? Pickup trucks with nothing in the bed do not work well on icy roads. This I learned on January 29th. I waited too long to leave work to go home. So what happened to me is that I'm driving down Hickson Pike. I had just passed, just passed the school zone for Bright, Bright School, and I'm looking at the hill, and I'm going, we're not getting up that hill. So I had the genius idea to try to go up, what's the road to the left there? Altamont. <laughs> this is me without my wife in the car, okay? Altamont, I think, is actually a steeper hill. But it was straight, and I somehow thought that would make a difference. So I get a run and go, and I'm at 40 miles an hour doing all I can do, started up Altamont. And I got halfway up Altamont. And then started sliding backward down Altamont. And you know Altamont tees into Hickson Pike, right? So out I come. I'm looking at the speedometer. I didn't actually know that the speedometer registers how fast you're going in reverse. <laughs> it does. I was going somewhere between 20 and 25 when my back tires hit Hickson Pike. Backward. I said back tires, right? Coming out backward. So God and I were having an intimate conversation at that point. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh, mostly, oh, I can't believe I was this stupid. Please save me despite my, you know, imbecile nature. So he does. I don't wreck. I get the truck pulled off to the side of the road. I immediately drop my head and say, I get real spiritual at this point. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now, uh, you know that I am not a wilderness survivor. I need some help. <laughs> I need some help. This is a real problem. Um, I teach with an iPad and a Blackberry within arm's length of a laptop. Okay? <laughs> this is my comfort zone. <laughs> Computers, we're in good shape. So, God, I need some help. I need you to get me out of this. I got nothing. You know, I, maybe Justin knows where I'm at. That would be great. <laughs> so, literally, I open my eyes and I look up and I see this figure 100 yards away walking like this. And I immediately, and these guys got a towel wrapped around his head. And I immediately dropped my head again. Lord, I'm sorry I wasn't more specific. <laughs> I kid you not. That's what I pray. <laughs> I'm thinking... Seriously, you're going to do this? I mean, this guy's going to, like, hack me up into 12 pieces, and they're never going to find me, and, you know, Julie's going to be rich, and, I mean, this is just not going to go well. <laughs> so this guy's walking, and he gets about 20 feet or so from the truck, and he kind of he starts doing this number. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, he's not only not going to help, he's, he's crazy, too. And this guy's crazy. He walks right, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of freaking out at this point. You know, because I don't have anything. I've got a laptop in my bag. What am I going to do with a laptop? <laughs> Beat him over the head with it. I'm like, ah, I'm going to be in trouble. So he puts his hand on the truck door, 
the same time he puts his hand on his truck door, he puts his hand on the bottom of the towel and he opens both at the same time. I, I don't know who this is yet. I don't have a clue. And he's, about to, he's opened my truck door. He grins real big. You know who it is? It's Brent Bass. Brent's car had gotten stuck about a half a mile down the road and he was walking home because Brent lived a mile from where we were. First question, what in the world are you doing with a towel on your head, man? He's like, well, it's kind of snowing. I didn't want my hair to get wet. <laughs> of course, Brent Bass Logic. There it is right there on display. So we walked up about halfway up the hill, had somebody pick us up, drop us off right in front of the road that leads to his house. We walked another 100 yards to his road. We, I'm freezing at this point, right? I mean, it's, it's been a long day. It was not a good day at work. Not sure I'm, you know, all this stuff is working. I'm cold, I'm wet, we've been walking in the snow, my feet are drenched, right? You're in your good dress shoes and they're drenched. Just not a good day. Go along, get to Brent's house, we get in this car, he drives me to my house, because he actually knows what he's doing in the snow, which is great. I open the door, and I will never forget this moment as long as I live. Now, there had been several power flickerings during that time, and my wife, as soon as she even thinks the power flickers, we break out the what? We break out the candles, baby, because we are not going to be in the dark. So she breaks out these candles, and I don't know about your wife, but my wife has these scented candles, right? Lily of the Valley Blossom Spring Meadow. And I'm like, I don't know how that works. But these actually weren't offensive. It was great. The house was probably 75 degrees. She had the heat cranked up. I mean, it was, it was just wonderful. And there was a big pot of soup on the stove. It smelled great. It felt great. I open the door. There's my wife, arms wide open, grabs me, hugs me, kisses me, and I remember going, this is the greatest feeling ever. <laughs> everything was refreshed all at once. So when I read this verse, everything is refreshed. Everything got made right. Everything was okay. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing because we get to do this for one another. So the question there this week who have you known that could consistently be described as refreshing the hearts of the saints? Part of your homework this week is to go find that person and tell them thank you. Another part of your homework is to pray for that person at your tables when you fill out your prayer request sheet right now. So, that's the lesson. That's my best transition into the close. That's where we're at. The breakfast bucket has gone around. Make sure you got that. The sign-up sheet for Interfaith Hospitality. Make sure we're looking at that. Prayer requests at your tables, and we'll pick up next week with the... Actual asking of the favor that Paul's got for Philemon. Thanks, guys.